Welcome back to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast that helps leaders and sellers find and tell great stories. That's us, isn't it? It's uh, what we do, right? That's the plan. (laughs) So this is episode seven, Mark. Can you believe it? Seven down? Yeah. Look, it's quite an enjoyable process. It is an enjoyable process because we get to relive and, and rethink about some of the stories that we've found over the years. But it also seems to spark other conversations for us, doesn't it? Yeah, that certainly does. Yeah, we like to have those conversations as part of the podcast. The listeners get an idea of the way we think about stories and yeah. the practices that we have and that we adopt in putting stories to work. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, I had an interesting experience in the last couple of weeks. I heard about a CEO that gave a great presentation, a kick-ass presentation, and he told a story that was inside a movie, and it was the movie Hidden Figures. Oh, that's the story about how all the African-American women were mathematicians as part of the space program. That's the one, yeah. you know, back in the 60s. And they were actually called computers, right? Sorry, the, 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 women, the women were called... Computers. Oh. It was before what we know as computers <laughs> uh, really were prevalent. And so NASA had a group of women who um, were mostly black women who were called computers. Who would know? But... The great thing about this is the CEO gave this presentation. It just had a great impact. And I think it really showed a lot of people that storytelling can really work. But it also reminded me of this genre of story, right? This idea of finding a story in a movie and to be able to tell that. So it's one just to keep an eye out for, yeah. right? So I actually went and rewatched Hidden Figures yesterday. And it was quite great to sort of see a couple of things. One, there's some scenes... So there's two types of stories that pop out. One is specific scenes. So there's this great scene where, leading up to this scene, this one particular woman, she's working in the area that's sort of taking the next shot up in space, and she's doing all the mathematics associated with it, but there's no toilet for black women in that building. So she literally has to go about half a mile away just to go to the toilet. And so she's running all the way out to the toilet, running all the way back, because, you know, this is a high-pressure job she's in. And the head, a guy called Al Harrison, notices that she's missing all the time. And so he starts to give her an absolute once-over and saying, you know, what are you doing? You're not here at your desk. You just seem to be skiving off, essentially. And she blows up. She just sort of says, you know, how do you... You don't realise that I have to essentially go for a half-mile run there and back just to go to the toilet. But the scene then comes straight after that. Al Harrison is so incensed by this that he goes to the block that has the coloured women toilets and he takes a sledgehammer and he literally smashes down the signs. And once he gets the sign on the ground, he just says to everyone around, there's a sort of big crowd gathering as he's doing this. He says, there's just one type of toilet in here and we all go it. All our pee is the same colour something along those lines. And I thought it was just a nice... To me, it's actually just reminds you about the importance of symbolic acts in organisations. You know, they're the things... We talk about it as story triggering, how his action triggers a new story. Yes, absolutely. So anyway, that was a... For me, that was a a nice little uh, scene out of that movie. Um, But yeah, so there's lots lots of possibilities in in re-watching those movies maybe going and finding the really popular movies that are happening you know you find you know the top 100 movies start to look at those try to find some scenes because they're the ones that most people in your audience will you know sort of recognize and understand and know where you're coming from rather than sort of you know coming out with some 
very edgy on out on left field movie that no one's ever heard of, right? Um, so, all right. So, what's the story we're going to talk about this week? Well, actually, we're actually going to take a segue into a different type of story. Um, it's going to be an engineering story. I often get people saying to me, you know, do engineers listen to stories? Of course, they're no different to anyone else. Um, people love stories regardless of the industry. So this is an engineering story. And it's set back in the 70s, right? In the 70s, Citicorp developed this brand spanking new building, you know, big headquarters in Manhattan, and designed it in a funky new way. And because they had some design constraints, they had a church they had to build this building on top of. So they ended up having the first floor about, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 feet in the air. And so they had the building suspended in air with these four pylons and it was a 59 story building at that time it was the seventh tallest building in the world the sort of the engineer the structural engineer in charge of all that he did a whole bunch of things to create a new way of building because there was lots of stress and strain on how this building was built he had to put things like a counterweight in the, the very top of the building for any movement of the building but he also had to make sure the steel was soldered together or not soldered what welded. Do you call it? welded together in a way that was rock solid anyway got it all up wins lots of awards and then in 1978 he gets a phone call in his office he's sitting there in cambridge massachusetts and it's a student you know it's now been studied as part of university degrees and the student sort of says hey look we've just done some wind modeling on the building on the city corp headquarters and we've discovered that there's a certain type of wind in a certain situation that will put that much strain on your building there is a small but significant chance that the building will topple and of course William Measure is the guy's name he just listens to this and just dismisses out of hand he's just going you know that's not going to happen hangs up on this guy then starts thinking I should check this out right so he goes up to Canada and apparently there's a a modeling group up there they run a bunch of weather models and he realizes there is a situation where this building can actually come down so he thinks I've got to do some more testing so he goes to the building and he starts talking to the builders about the construction methods and he said look one of the key things you got to do is we had to weld all the joints all the steel together turned out that the steel manufacturer was trying to cut corners and figured that just bolting them together would be sufficient and that's when the red flags went off for this guy he went holy smokes goes up to his cabin up in the woods spends the weekend there he's literally thinking this is the end of my career my reputation is just absolutely in the dirt you know he's at the edge of suicide but at the same time he goes there's a lot of people's lives at risk here So he pulls himself together and he comes back down and he gets in first in contact with the architect. And then the architect gets in contact with the client. And then there's insurers involved. They get involved. And then there's lawyers involved. Now, you would imagine that group of people would be at absolute loggerheads, wouldn't you, Mark? Maybe at at each other's, other's throats. Yeah, yeah. But to their credit, they managed to realize that they needed to collaborate. They needed to work together to sort this thing out. And so over time, after sort of working out as many issues as they can, they came up with a plan. It was an 18-month plan to go through the entire building and replace every one of those bolts with new welding. 
And so because the building was built with a, like a shell around it, so you couldn't see the infrastructure, the welders could actually work inside that shell without disrupting the, the work that was going on. Mind you, they did it between like 8 o'clock at night and 7 in the morning, right? And uh, LeMessure was sort of saying, he uh, was being interviewed on this, he was sort of saying when he would fly into uh, New York, he would see the City Corp building sort of lit up with all those welders. just At, you know, at night. At night time, just, you know doing the work they needed to do to get this job done. Well, anyway, the job was finished, totally saved. They kept it a secret for at least 20 years. It's only in more recent times that that's come out. But, you know, you can go down to their building in Manhattan, you'll still see it there. It doesn't look like an impressive, uh, you know, monument given to the size of buildings these days. But I thought in terms of engineering, it was a great feat in how to deal with a, a real difficult problem. Yeah. So that's the story. I, I, I like to tell that to engineers every now and then and sort of get them talking about it. But tell me, let's just think about what works in that story. You know, what, what works or what doesn't work? You know, the, the bits in it that uh, grab you or, or don't grab you. One of the bits that I liked was they actually worked together. Yeah, uh, right. Because that's not what I expected. You know, I did expect you know, lawyers at 50 paces so, <laughs> and find the person to blame. And Yes. But... The fact that they ended up collaborating and finding a solution. Yes. Uh, it was, uh, hey, lawyers, you know, breaking expectations has become hey, a bit of a theme a bit over of the a last... Bit of a theme happening, yeah. yeah. I don't know how long that will last. <laughs> um, for me, I, the things that sort of grab me is the sort of the humanity of it. You've got this structural engineer that's built his career on doing the most amazing buildings and it's potentially coming to an end. And he's got to the point of almost saying that that's enough's enough. He's going to do his life in. But he realises, no, I can't do that. To me, that's a nice turning point in that story. It's um, sort of one of those ones that just sort of give you the sort of humanity of of these big structures that have been created. People are involved. Yep. And so I know you like telling that story, but for me, it's not particularly clear. can't really imagine the building and how it looks and what the problems are. And yeah, it's kind of a bit too technical. Bit too technical, I think. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And so maybe yeah, it's, it's going to work with engineers. That doesn't work with me. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And that's the great thing. And to me, I reckon one of the things you have to do, and we say this a lot to the people we're sort of training, is you've got to test your stories out. You've got, to, <laughs> you've got to, you know, actually tell them and sort of see what sort of response you get. Because you can tell a story and find yourself it not having the reaction that you expect. Maybe we'll put one of those stories into the podcast. Soon. Right, the ones that have really... time when it didn't work. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, but, no, but that's the great thing about it. So that's that's really good feedback to sort of get an idea that, you know, different audiences will have different responses. Now, tell me, though, let's imagine you uh, were to tell this story, Mark. You know, I know this is a, might be a big gap to leap across. Um, but where might you use this story? Where might this sort of give you a sense that, yeah, this would help get across a couple of ideas? Well, I guess when there's a really big problem, collaboration is a great way to tackle it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to show that it can be such a multi-hundreds of millions, billion-dollar type problem, and it can be solved, and you can get the stakeholders on the same page, and people's reputations stay intact, and good things can happen. So I think there's that element of it. What happened to the uni student? Yeah, that's interesting in a way because they, they've done a bit of research to try to find that uni student. Because, I mean, like, I want to employ that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm at, no one can find him. His name has been lost in time because, of course, when LaMessure got the phone call, he just hears blah, 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 your building's going to fall down, mm. and he just goes, click. 
Doesn't even ask what university's from. Oh, yeah, he doesn't know the university, doesn't know his name. I mean, it's not like he's got a mobile phone that records the number that the uh, phone call came from. That's right. So actually, it's probably a lesson, just a tiny lesson there on some of those small, what would you say, the people, the flag wavers who could be absolutely vital. I mean, that person probably, well, I hope he went on to a, a great career. Fingers crossed. Right. Yeah. But yeah, so I think there's the, the other way I use it too is just when I share it with engineers, I actually get them to talk about some of the issues that spring to mind for them and also stories of some of the things they've, they've used it as a story trigger. Yeah. And they usually have heaps of stories to tell, right? And, you know, it just reminds them of things that they've done themselves. It's an important point to remember is that if you want people to share their stories, you just start by telling one first. Yeah. It's one of the most important things. If you want people to tell stories, well, you have to set the example. Yes, definitely. Cool. Well, I think that's probably all we need to say about my little engineering story, the Citibank story or Citicorp story. I suppose now we have to give our rating. I'd love to hear your rating, Mark. What are you going to put it at? It's not a story I'd use. And so I'm going to give it a four. A four. Oh my God. <laughs> Arrow to the heart. <laughs> I, I, I quite like that story. I think I could probably tell it even better once with a bit more practice and a little bit more understanding the elements and trying to work out what to emphasize. I think you probably emphasize different things depending on the audience. Yep. But given that, I think I'd still give it a seven. Me, okay. I've, I've got a connection to that story. I'm, got, I'm going to keep working on it. <laughs> you do have a connection to that story. <laughs> and more power to you. Oh, good. Well, guys, thanks for listening to Anecdotally Speaking and tune in to next week for another episode on how to put stories to work. Thanks, guys.